There's so many. Do they all have a system of planets? Most of them. Has anyone been to them all? <laughs> Not likely. I want to be the first one to see them all. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl Eclair and Jason Hunt, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Wampa's Lair Podcast. This is episode number 266, Top 5 Magical Moments. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Darth Maul to my Savage Press, we have Carl LeClaire. Brother. Although, I... Brother? Brother? <laughs> so, I guess I'm the master. I appreciate it. Oh, great. Um... Well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no longer the podcast. No, uh, nope, nope. Now you're just the peon. Aw. <laughs> so, hey, everybody. Welcome back. And, uh, man, Jason, I'm excited to talk some some just general base Star Wars after doing, like, six straight episodes on Last Jedi. Um, which of course was a lot of fun, and I will say, Last Jedi is going to come up uh, at least for me this evening in our in our episode. Um, but uh, I'm ready to get back to form, and there's no way better to do that than a good old top five. And as many of our Larians have said, essentially a top seven. <laughs> well, yes, because we have to have the honorable mentions. So you can't you can't not have honorable mentions in this show. You can't. You can't. No. It really is not possible. Yeah, not when you're doing a top five. So, uh-uh, uh-uh. Um, so yeah, we are going to just kind of look over all the all the films in Star Wars and, and just talk about some of our favorite uh, magical moments. And uh, I'm going to talk about in a in a minute here what magical connotates for me in Star Wars because again that that is a very subjective term. So I'll I'll talk about how I picked mine, and then Jason, you obviously can feel free to do the same. But before we get into any of that. Um, we had a, a really fun poll from last episode where we asked you guys all again, continuing in our, in our poll series of favorite musical moments. Now we're up to rogue one and Jason, what say the Larians? Well, they said quite a bit. Um, and in fourth place with one vote each, we had the X-wing attack on Edu and the prologue, uh, piece, um, in third place with three votes. Switch sequence, which is where my vote went. Um, the track Hope, where uh, Darth Vader uh, took on all the rebel soldiers, was in second place with seven votes. Uh, but of course, first place with 12 votes was the track Your Father Will Be Proud, particularly the moment where, you know, Cassian and Jin face the end uh, after the plans have been sent. Yeah. That's such a beautiful piece of music. Uh, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I'm not surprised at all that that won. So. Yeah, nor am I. Nor am I. I it's the most uniquely different piece ever in Star Wars. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it, 
like you probably remember Jason when David Collins did that panel at Celebration this past year and he talked about how so much of the soundtrack so much of the score of this film is very much right like Giacchino doing Star Wars right but it's still in the school of Star Wars insofar as like it's all based in that Williams-esque style but this is where Giacchino is just being Giacchino Uh, right and I love Giacchino's music and everything I've seen of it everything I've heard that he's done and this to me is it's just so beautiful and again it's very different for Star Wars um but it's just so perfect and beautiful yeah it elicits, it's really awesome yeah it just elicits so much emotion every time i'm watching this film yeah so it's funny it's funny that you and i both picked you know our favorite track from the rogue one soundtrack is the track rogue one but favorite musical moments in the movie uh very different so right right and rogue one is a great moment in the film for sure but it, it just this has like the accompanying visuals as well like it's just it's just I mean, it's a it's a work of art, right? Right, it really is. So, I'm not too surprised that that took the uh, that took the cake. No, and it was quite handily too. So, yeah. So, um, so anyway, bef- just real quick before we hop into the meat of the episode here, um, obviously, in light of Last Jedi, whenever there's a new Star Wars movie, every single Star Wars podcast sees a surge of of downloads and obviously new listeners, which is great. Um, and we've had at least a handful um, actively tell us that they're new by either messaging us on social media or emails. Um, and uh, so to all of you, obviously welcome. Hopefully you're going to stick with us. Um, you know, obviously the, the more casual star Wars fans sometimes, you know, will listen in for a little bit and kind of, you know, tune into other things. Um, but any of you who've still stuck around, uh, hopefully you, you will continue to enjoy the episode and, um, just to, just to reiterate what our show is all about. Um, if you, if you will, I kind of created like a mini, uh, Wampus mission statement. Um, and, <laughs> and I wrote that, you know, essentially we are a show that's going to delve deep into the wonder and awe of star Wars. And we will, we promise to be fun and incorporate lots of listener input. Um, so that's essentially what our show is all about. Every Star Wars podcast um, kind of, you know, is, is uniquely different in some ways. Uh, there's a lot that obviously just, you know, focus on news, um, you know, and there are plenty of others that do the same thing we, we say to do, which is just kind of delve deep into Star Wars. Um, but uh, we hope to continue to have fun doing that. Um, and that's why I yes. love these top fives. <laughs> oh, yeah. My favorite thing is to do by far. Uh, the top fives are, are pretty freaking awesome. Uh, and and there has to be a point where we have to go back and redo some of our top fives since it's been so long and we've gotten so much new stuff. But uh, for now, I think we find a new one to, to to spring on everybody for this episode. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to, like, magical moments, um, Jason, what, like, was there something that guided you in picking your magical moments, any type of criteria that would connotate magical to you? Well, that was such a broad term. So sure. I, I I went and I picked some moments that just feel very magical to me in a sense. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with, with the force. Um, some of that, uh, I, I also was very literal in other aspects, um, especially when I, I pulled in a few things from uh, Rebels and Clone Wars as well. Um, and there's some very literal stuff in there that I was like, well, that's magical. 
Uh, (laughs) And you'll see what I'm talking about when I get to that on my list. But uh, I I don't know. It was such a broad term that I just sort of went willy-nilly with it and picked some great moments. So, yeah. I might have cheated slightly on some of my things, but that's okay. You're You're allowed to cheat. I do. I am. You're not. I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Fair point. laughs> what, what, what criteria did you use uh, when you were assembling your list? Yeah. I, again, I mean, you know, like you said, it is kind of a broad term, but for me, uh, I kind of think of it as like a, a scene that takes a character outside of themselves or, or a moment in the film when a character is caught up in something bigger than themselves, beyond themselves. So, you know, kind of like a transcendent moment. Um, okay. So something like that, right? Because um, to me, Star, Star Wars isn't an isn't magical in the way that Harry Potter's magical, right? Like Harry Potter's, um, you know, spirituality, if you will, is magic. The spirituality of Star Wars is the force, which is to me more religiously based than magical based, if that makes sense. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah, like, yeah. So that was kind of what guided me while I was, while I was picking my moments. And the funny thing is, is like the, the, the initial four all just like, I was like, yep, this, this, and this. And then, then it was narrowing down the list to my honorable mentions, which of course, um, do you have two as well, Jason? Of course I do. Oh, wonderful. I'm going to let you kick it off then. All right. Well, my first honorable mention, uh, comes from rebels. Um, and, and this is a moment that I've talked about before, uh, but mainly for the music. And this is coming from season two of Rebels, and it is Zeb piloting the ghost through the star cluster uh, when he uh, accesses the the Force, although the the Lasat call it uh, the Ashla. And that's just a a really unique moment of the music. Really kind of helps to to bring the magical quality to it because he uses his you know this ancient styled weapon uh his his bow rifle to is kind of essentially plug into the ghost and using the ashla pilots it through this through the other side escape the empire and find the original homeworld of the lasat um i don't really know how else to describe that other than magical because zeb is you know the the rough and tough you know stock and bop him, uh you know kind of guy uh so when you have that guy doing this it's a pretty extraordinary thing so uh, i don't know i've always liked that and the, the the music that goes along with it is like a a string quartet and it's nothing like nothing like we've ever heard in star wars anywhere else so the the whole scene really sells that that to me yeah that is a that's such a beautiful moment and do you remember the name of the song? Oh, here it is. Journey into the Star Cluster, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is beautiful. But, um, yeah, no, it, it, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's just, it is so, so magical. Like, he's just tapping into something he wasn't even aware that he had access to. Right. Probably never even would have believed he did. And it's just, yeah, I mean, it's this this moment where he's doing something far beyond what he ever thought he was capable of. Um, right, man, this music, oh, so good. Oh, it is by far my favorite piece of music from Rebels. Uh, it's a close second for me. I still, I love that the, uh, the music being used when, 
um, Sabine is training with Kanan. Yeah, I was going to say that that's your favorite. <laughs> yeah, they haven't released the season three soundtrack, sadly. Not yet. Um, they do have that piece, luckily, up on StarWars.com. But anyway, ah, good. But oh, that's a great that's a great one to pick. Yeah. What's your first honorable mention? Um, I didn't even, you know, I, I, I'm glad that you brought in something from rebels or I didn't think of anything from the TV shows or any of the shows. So mine are all film based, but my, my first one, I cheated and put two in one because they're, (laughs) (laughs) they're kind of small. Um, and the first one is really tiny, but I just want to play like a very short music clip. And I've mentioned this moment before, but it's that moment when it's in Phantom Menace when, um, Anakin is getting uh, Qui-Gon up, up Paula or whatever. What are those things called? Uh, Pally. Pally, yeah. And he goes to put it you know, in under his cloak and Anakin sees the lightsaber. And there's this little hint of music right here. Just those little bells. So yep. perfect. John, that's just like John Williams being John Williams. Just that subtlety. And it is so – I mean imagine, you know – like like being a little kid the first time you walked into the mall and saw Santa Claus, right? Um, right. Like it's just like this, oh my gosh, that's real life, right? Anakin has wherever – we don't know where he's heard stories about Jedi, but he's clearly aware of them. They're the superheroes of the galaxy and he sees that lightsaber and he immediately knows that this is a Jedi. And it's just – you know, it's it's your legend in the same room as you. Um, right. So right. yeah, and it's it- – those those little bells, those little chimes, whatever they are, it's that moment of realization. Like, oh, oh my gosh, yeah, the they're real. Yeah, they're real. The Jedi <laughs> are real. <laughs> to quote Ray, um, exactly. But we, yeah. we should have had that play when we saw Luke Skywalker at the end of Force Awakens. Oh, I know. Yeah, and 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 so again, like just so so great that he just uses those little chimes. I mean, there's nothing more heavenly sounding than than something like that instrumentally, right? Um, right. So I just love that because it, it just immediately gives you know like a concrete example to Anakin of of the existence of the Jedi. Um, and then what's, this, what's and then, the second part of your honorable mention here? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so it's also in Phantom Menace, which is why I thought I could cheat and put them together. And it's just when Shmi tells uh, Qui Gon the the story of Anakin's conception. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a this yeah. is a magical story. Um, and it, this is a story of, you know, the force literally, you know, putting itself into the galaxy story. Um, I mean, it's very clear that George, you know, is inspired by other religious tradition stories. I mean, obviously, the Christmas story is about a virgin birth. Um, most Buddhists that you talk, or traditional Buddhists will tell stories about the Buddha's virgin birth, um, Siddhartha's. So I mean that's not that's nothing unique to Christianity. A lot of religious um, uh, stories are about virgin births um, to to denote that 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 child is special. And um, you know I remember back in '99 thinking it was so cool, and then after a little while, I was like, well, it's kind of weird that we make we made you know this something Anakin so special. Um, and again, now with something like Last Jedi, where it's really making it clear that bloodlines don't seem to matter as much, um, which is why a lot of people were upset. But, you know, that story that Shmi tells Qui-Gon, though, but just in the moment, I think Qui-Gon is caught up in this magical moment um, yeah. because that's something he just – again, he, he immediately knows that that's the prophecy of the chosen one. Um, but I don't think even he, Qui-Gon, the most kind of like chill, 
um, you know, maverick Jedi probably still didn't necessarily believe that that was a real thing. And then here he is hearing this, you know, humble woman from, you know, a backwater country saying she gave birth to a, a child without, you know, any sort of relations, you know, Qui-Gon is caught up in this magical moment of he's now caught up in this virgins of the force. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good moment. I might have some stuff to say about that later. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, what is your other honorable mention? My other honorable mention, um, and I kind of cheat on this one a little bit because I just use a character, uh, Mother Talzin, because she has kind of a lot of magical moments. And I couldn't just pick one. Uh, like when she, you know, helps to form Savage Opress or she resurrects Darth Maul from his madness. Uh, or even when she's fighting uh, the droids on Dathomir when General Grievous comes in. She's got, you know, a lot of magic about her uh, and she's almost a magical entity in and of herself um because you know when she talks you hear like you know three different voices overlaid against each other she's she her clothes sort of whisk back and forth you know she's not quite fully there you, you don't nothing is ever settled with her and so she's kind of the dark magic if you will um and this is also one of the ones where i was a bit more literal when I came to the, the idea of magic, um, the, the whole night sister aspect of it, uh, that the clone wars brought in. Um, but yeah, mother Talzin just really is what embodies all of that. Um, so yeah, that, she's my, my second honorable mention. Nice. Well, you know, I mean, all of the stuff that we got on Dathmir and the clone wars is, is literally magic. You know, it is, it is the most, um, in your face magic that we get in star Wars. I mean, here we have mother Talzin manipulating forces of magic. I mean, um, I think they even refer to her as, as something like that. Um, yeah. It's, it's that they refer to it as their magics. And I think it's spelled M A G I K. Right. So it's, it's just a little bit different. Yes. Than, than our, than our everyday Harry Potter magic. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's a that, that's a great pick. I, I I don't really have much to say because uh, I don't have anything specific jumping out because, like you said, there is there is so much. I mean, anything with Mother Talzin in it, you know, has got a whole bunch of it, you know. So I I don't know. I can't pick a favorite out of it. Sure, but she's a a very fascinating character, so I figured I'd, I'd throw her on my list. Yeah, great. Um, well, I have one honorable on a mention. Uh, wow, <laughs> just stumbled. I just like. Didn't make any sense there for a second. I'm going to have Let's try that again. Yeah, I have one more honorable mention, and this is the only other one I, I, I have a clip for. And Jason, you will understand why I have to play this clip as soon as I hit play. So here we go. Okay. This is from Revenge of the Sith. Anna, I want to have our baby back home on Naboo. We can go to the lake country where no one will know, where we can be safe. I can go early and fix up the baby's room. I know the perfect spot, right by the gardens. You are so beautiful. It's only because I'm so in love. No, <laughs> no, it's because I'm so in love with you. 
So love has blinded you? <laughs> well, that's not exactly what I meant. Are you are you surprised at all, Jason? That that's in my list? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying so hard not to just bust out laughing because this is such a Carl pick. <laughs> this is such a Carl pick. Oh, oh my gosh, I love it. I love that um, moment. So here's why it's magical to me. Um, <laughs> it's... I mean, I, and I've obviously talked about this scene a lot in, in previous episodes, and I do love it. Yes, I think the lines are cheesy, and it's not the best acted. Again, the, to me, the, the the best part of the whole the whole that whole little scene is the visuals accompanied with the music. Um, the music is beautiful, and um, to me, the reason it's magical though is because these are two characters who are so in love that they are able to escape just for a brief period, you know, the amount of stress and um, anxiety that they're going to be feeling, you know, as a Senator trying to navigate a war and a Jedi general navigating a war in this moment, to me, it's magical because they're just able to be in love. They're allowed to be two young people in love, just sharing their hopes and dreams. And I know I've made that point before, but to me, that's also magical because it pulls them out of the, high level of anxiety that they're both caught up within and it reminds them of what they're really about in life. And that's love. Um, it's this love for each other. Um, yes, it's obviously an imperfect love in the sense of it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hidden and it's secret and, um, you know, Anakin's a little too attached, but all that as it may, there is such a sense of purity in this moment and it's so beautiful to me and it's magical because of that, because of its ability to lift them, beyond themselves like this is ultimately what their relationship is all about this is one of those perfect moments because they don't have many but this is one of those perfect moments where they can just be in love um and you know again like i know this scene gets a lot of a lot of criticism but to me it's it's one of the most beautiful scenes in all of star wars because of it's it's really like pure sense of magical love so that's why it's my honor it's my other honorable mention and it's also the last time there the two of them can just be happy together. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's it. I'm not surprised that this is on your list. Um, honestly, I know that this would qualify as magical. I'm a little surprised it's not higher. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not something I would pick. But, you know, you brought me around a little bit more on this scene, so I, I don't mind it at all. Uh, it's a good pick. It's such a Carl pick. It's yeah. such a Carl pick. That makes me so happy. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. Well, don't. Don't don't worry about it. I love it. I so figured I lo- you would be all right with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, anyway, that brings us into the official top five. Mm-hmm. And where are we starting, Jason? Well, we are starting with another little bit of a cheat uh, where I picked a character. Because um, <laughs> I did that. Um, and I'm referring to the Bendu. Um, and, I, you know, the Bendu is a great character that was brought about in Season 3 of Rebels. I love him uh, because of what he brings to the show, but also because he's voiced by the fourth Doctor, Tom Baker, uh, which is my favorite Doctor. Uh, but he's such a fascinating uh, entity. I'm not sure what you would call him because he is of the force. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And he brings an aspect of the Force that is uh, previously unseen in many aspects. You know, he's the one in the middle. Of, you know, he doesn't you know follow the Jedi or the Sith. He, he clings desperately to that middle ground, especially when it's threatened. Um, and the moment I think I want to you know highlight specifically is the you know finale episode of uh, Rebel season three where we see him uh, transform from this coral-covered, you know, giant monster creature thing into a storm, like a raging storm, force storm that just goes across the, the battlefield. Um, and it, you know, and he's, you know, lashing out at anyone and everyone who uh, is ruining his peace there on, on the planet. Uh, it's such a, you know, a raw force, um, in, a, in, a, in kind of a magical sense, I think, to, to me anyways, um, that I found fascinating. And the, I love the character anyways, and so when he did that, I was, you know, immediately sat up and went, whoa, that's something we haven't ever seen before. So, uh, yeah, the Bendu. But particularly, particularly that last uh, episode where he uh, just unleashes hell, so to speak. Mm. Do that, Kanan Jarrus line. Kanan Jarrus, Jedi Knight. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is. I mean, that moment you're talking about at the end of season three there is definitely magical and. In a, in a different way, um, I wouldn't have thought of that. I, I, it's not. Um, I wouldn't call it dark per se, but it's. No. But it is it's almost it's, like if you're if you're looking at it like you know from a either a Harry Potter or a Lord of the Rings type magic, it's almost like a a wild magic, an unrestrained yeah. magic, if you will. Right, right. It's just it's it's very raw in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no, that's that is a great moment. I mean, I'm. I know how much you love the Bendu. I'm still, I'm still not crazy about him. He's fine, um, but uh, yeah, that is a certainly a magical moment where he goes from. I mean, he, he is a, a a a physical creature. Again, we don't know what kind of creature, um, and I don't ever want to know. Just like I don't ever want to know what Yoda is. Um, but yeah, he somehow all of a sudden manifests himself as a storm. And like just something that cannot be contained. And it's so great too. Cause then even, you know, Tark for some reason, Tarkin Thrawn decides to shoot at the eye of the storm. And then they find the Bendu on the ground and Thrawn thinks he's best at it and shoots, you know, presumably shoots him in the head there. And then you still hear him laughing in the clouds. Like he is so beyond Thrawn's comprehension. Yeah. He's so beyond our comprehension. And that makes him a magical character. Right, and and when Thrawn shoots him, he vanishes, like he disappears. It's not like, and it's not like a, a Jedi vanishing. It's like, you know, as the trigger was being pulled, he just disappeared, and you just heard the laughter, you know, echoing around, and uh, that unsettled Thrawn. It appeared. Yeah, so. you know what? You if you have a special edition of that episode when he disappears, you need Jarja to go. Where did they go? <laughs> and then you can have Anakin <laughs> running across, young Anakin going, "They're here." or not or or not (laughs) or or you could just have the TARDIS materialize around him and have him take off that way you know Uh, that that could also no 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 don't don't you mix those don't don't put your Doctor Who in Star Wars 
Oh, see, I, I like to think Doctor Who's running around the outer edge of the universe. <laughs> Kanan Jarrus, Jedi Knight. Kanan Jarrus, Jedi Knight. <laughs> so good. Oh, Thank you. Wow. All right, what's your number five? Well, my number five comes from the great The Empire Strikes Back. And it's the moment when Luke crash lands on Dagobah. And there's two reasons that to me that this is a magical moment. One, which is something that's to me kind of off screen, is the fact, and oddly, Jason, this kind of coincides with your point right here, the idea of a storm. Um, Luke all of a sudden is caught up in this storm. You know, all my scopes are dead. I can't see a thing. Hold on. I'm going to start the lightning cycle. Um <laughs> and uh, I'm. If you listen to the radio drama, the Empire Strikes Back radio drama, Luke has some dialogue to R two about how something's causing this. He thinks. Um, so to me, it's like when they made the radio drama, when they wrote that script, they kind of retconned this idea that something caused the storm. And whether or not that's purely canon, I don't care. I do really think that Yoda causes the storm. Like I think Yoda's the reason he crash lands. Um, because he's going to use that to his advantage. It, it could just be the fact that Dagobah is a mysterious planet in and of itself, and it's, it literally swallows him up. I don't know, but to me, I like to think that it's Yoda who is directly responsible for that. Um, I, would, I would think so. Uh, because when Yoda visits, visits Dagobah during the Clone Wars, he's able to land and take off just fine. So I would think Yoda has something to do Right. And Luke's, Luke's able, crash landing. Yeah. Luke's able to land and, you know, just fine too in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he, he's, he's just as good of a pilot in Empire as he is in Jedi. Um, so, yeah. I mean, so to me, there's something magical about the fact that something is clouding his vision. You know, the dark side of the force has clouded their vision, my friend. <laughs> Hundreds of senators now under the never mind. <laughs> We're not even in the tactic load. Um, <laughs> Um, okay, can, but, I, can I take a stab at uh, the other aspect of why this is uh, number five on your list? Sure. It's that image. Yeah, it's like you know me. That, <laughs> <laughs> the, and for those of you who don't know, that image is the image, uh, the wide image we get of the crashed starship in the swamp um, in the, the background there. And we just get the, you know, the landscape of Dagobah as the uh, Minox fly across the screen. Are they Minox or not? Yeah. I believe those are dragon snakes. Or no, not dragon snakes. Um, oh, my gosh. Bog wings. Bog yes, wings. bog wings. Thank you. Dragon snakes are in the water. Right. That's what's about to swallow R2. Um, but yeah, no, you're right, though, Jason. It's, that, it's just that still shot of, of the X-Wing in the swamp. And it's literally a, our Luke, our hero, has crash landed into the unknown. Um, and to me, there's nothing yeah. more magical about that. And there is something just so mysterious about this place um that is just going to in a way force him to see beyond himself um and uh you know all of his his typical ways of dealing with the world and dealing with troubles he's gonna have to learn to live beyond those now he's gonna have to tap into something deeper there's just oh yeah there's just something about Dagobah that's just so magical so yeah, that's my number five. It's a good moment. It is a magical moment. So, all right. Um, my number four. Um, I had to have something from Phantom Menace in here. 
because I think on the whole, Phantom Menace just as a whole feels kind of magical in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, I wanted to, to have something a little more specific. Uh, so I picked, you know, a lot of the interactions between Anakin and Qui-Gon on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. As Qui-Gon discovers who Anakin is and, you know, finds out he's the chosen one and Anakin learns who Qui-Gon is. So, you know, similar to your honorable mention, but I wanted to add, you know, moments like uh, Qui-Gon and Anakin talking right before the pod breaks. You know, uh, things like that when they're uh, having these little moments and, and Qui-Gon discovering how many Medichlorians he has. And, you know, Anakin saying, I want to be the first one to see them all when he looks at the stars. You know, that sort of thing. The, these interactions. There's something really magical about the two of them together as they're learning who each other is, figuring each other out, and, and building that relationship. And that, Which is why I think if Qui-Gon had lived, Anakin would never fall into the dark side because the relationship the two of them had uh, was such a... was already well on its way to be a, a really good, healthy relationship. So, uh, But I, I just love the little moments. The little moments with Anakin and, and Qui-Gon on Tatooine, I think, are really magical. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, the clip I played at the top of the episode is is that exact moment when Anakin's telling Qui-Gon he's going to be the first one to see them all, right? Um you know there there is something magical about that this exchange between this like wise old Jedi master and this young naive and naive by the way is always considered like a negative thing naivete is not always inherently bad this is a young naive hopeful excited you know little boy and um he just looks up and knows that there's more to life and i think the reason anakin can talk so readily about this is because Qui-Gon is what he wants to be, right? He's looking right back at what he hopes that will someday be his own future, which is being a Jedi Knight. Um, and I think in a way, what can be magical for Qui-Gon in the experience is that it might remind him of just kind of the simple nobility and who he is as a Jedi, right? Like the fact that he becomes a Jedi and is, is faithful to that calling is just a reminder of what a wonderful thing he's done with his own life. I saw your laser sword. Well, maybe I killed a Jedi and took it from him. I don't think so. No one can kill a Jedi. I wish that were so. <laughs> that moment. I, I, that's such a little magical moment, too. I, you know, with Qui-Gon just sort of smiles and stuff. I wish that were so. You know, he, he, the, the innocence and excitement of a child, you know, saying, no, nothing, no one can beat a Jedi. You know, except for in Battlefront Two, right? Well, you know, <laughs> all you got to do is get um, all the power ups. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, the the excitement of that that mindset of a you know, no one can beat a Jedi, and someone who's been on the other side and seen what really happens. Go, you know, I wish that were so, but still enjoying the the dreaming of the child. I think that's a great moment. So, yeah. No, it is that is great, and like you said, there's so much in in kind of that middle act of um, Phantom Menace that is just very magical. Um, yeah, so I'm glad you brought that in. Well, thank you. What's your number four? Uh, my number four comes from the Last Jedi, um, and it's lesson one. 
uh, out on the little meditation slab. And I love this moment of Ray really like touching the essence of the force for the first time. I mean, yes, we see her use the force in the force awakens, right? We see her use it to do a Jedi mind trick. Um, and yes, she's in a way channeling it while she's, you know, escaping Jakku. She's channeling it at the end when she's fighting Kylo, but this is the first time she's really touched it, you know, in it's kind of in its fullness. Um, and I just, it, uh, like, it's such a beautiful moment and she's, you know, reflecting back to Luke, what she's seen. She's essentially just seeing the, the ebb and flow of life and understanding that everything is held together by this force. And, and Luke says, and inside you. And again, we talked about this a lot, you know, in pre- the last couple of episodes, but that little smile of, um, it, it's inside me, right? Like, um, Ray knows that this mystical energy field that holds all of life together resides within her as well. And that is just magical. Like, um, you know, I mean, it's not and the lesson for Luke to her there is I think Luke's point. Yes. I mean, his, his very literal one is like, well, you know, this is not just for the Jedi, but remember she says that it's a power, a jet that the Jedi have. And Luke says, it's not a power you have. Right. It's not something it's not something you can possess. It's within everything and everyone. Um, So he's you know, he's really challenging her way of thinking, Um, you know, and and again, like this is such a beautiful moment because it's to me, it's the first time Ray really touches the force. And, you know, like, yes, no, I know she has used the force, but she's never really experienced it in this kind of like pure um powerful way you know um and i think it it it, it's going to become her her solid base for moving forward as a jedi um to me it's 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 similar to that that experience jesus has in his at his baptism in the jordan river and you know god calls him his beloved son to me that becomes then the bedrock of all of jesus's ministry moving forward right like that's when he goes out and starts his preaching and doing all of his thing you know being the whole jesus thing that only comes after this solid experience of being loved by God. And the, I, I would say the same is going to be true of Ray here. Ray is going to continue forward as a Jedi because of this solid, powerful experience of touching and being touched by the force. Um, so yeah, I love that moment. Yeah. It's a great moment. And I also love how it starts with her reaching out literally and, Luke making fun of her. Oh yeah. Um, so good. <laughs> you meant reach out here. Yeah. <laughs> and the look he gives her is a thing. Yeah. So good. <laughs> oh, it's like, uh, but yes, you're, you're right. It, it is a very magical moment. She experiences the depth of the force and not just in a, in a, you know, fight or flight instinctual reaching out. You know, this is like uh, a depth um, exploring it for knowledge and, understanding uh, and and that's something that is is magical too when you when you can take that quiet moment and you're not fighting for your life to really reach out and connect so yeah for sure so all right is it are we at number three we are at number no? three yeah yeah number three all right well uh my number three comes from rogue one and it is uh, Chirrut and the Master Switch. Uh, 
I I love this moment. It is simultaneously one of my favorite and saddest moments of the movie because Stuart is my favorite. Uh, <laughs> um, but it is it is the moment where he steps up and you you know reaches out to the force. You know, not necessarily to, you know not re- necessarily reaching out using the force, but he's reaching out to the force, giving himself over to the will of the force in order to try and, you know, get to the master switch and to deactivate it so that the mission can continue uh, in a purely selfless act. He goes out, this blind warrior monk amongst all the blaster fire and explosions and just fully gives himself over to the will of the force in order to achieve this aspect at this moment and deactivate the master switch. Um, I love this moment so much. I, it is so good to me. Um, and favorite character. So when he gets this moment, uh, I simultaneously cheer and cry, you know, if you will. So, um, <laughs> There's not anything you know more to really say about it because it is a magical moment. He doesn't have the Force. He's sensitive to the will of the Force in a sense because he's devoted himself to it, but he doesn't have the Force. He's not a Jedi. He doesn't have access to it the way that you know someone like Luke or Rey or Anakin would. Uh, so I think I think that almost makes it even more powerful. Sure. So, I, yeah. I'm going to start gushing about Sherrod again if I keep talking, so I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, this is also my number three. Yes! I hoped it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, all the things you said, or I, I completely uh, agree with. And um, actually, here's here's the musical moment where it starts to happen. Here's him making that decision. Knows what he has to do, right? Rips that stick. Ugh. I'm one with the force. force is with me. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. Sherrod, come back! <laughs> right? What? Um. Yeah, I mean, this is such a beautiful moment. Um. And, yeah, no, like like, like you said, I mean, Sherrod, I mean, to be fair, in a way... He does have the force. He just doesn't, like you said, though, like he doesn't use it the same way that like Anakin would or Ahsoka or Rey. Um, but I think in my previous point there, you know, Luke makes it pretty clear that everyone has the force within them. Um, right. It's just, you know, different levels of sensitivity allow you to do different things with it. But Chirrut's the first his, character. His Medichlorian count isn't that high. It's not that high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't make the cut. Um, oh. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, he just steps out there and, and as you know, we've said in, in previous shows, but like, you know, when he steps out there, he just, he just puts himself into this, into, he just trusts in the force and puts himself in this bubble that envelopes him and, and protects him. And, you know, he just literally gives himself over to something much bigger than himself, something beyond himself. And, you know, whether you're a spiritual religious person or not, we all have had those experiences of giving ourselves over to something beyond ourselves, whether you consider that to be something godly or not, even if it's just a cause, right? Like some sort of social justice issue or, you know, fighting for your kids, you know, in, you know, 
dealing with like a crappy teacher, anything like that. You give yourself over to some sort of cause, something beyond yourself. And cheer it does it in a just absolute and full way. Um, and he just knows that this is what he has to do and he just does it. Um, and he just goes out there with these, with nothing but faith on his lips. And he's able to, unlike you said, Jason, he activates it. He doesn't deactivate it. Sorry to be nitpicky. Oh, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> I know I... What you meant though. <laughs> but yeah, and he activates that master switch. And then I'm thinking to myself, because I, like I said, I just watched this, this, this evening. Um, you know, it, it, we love talking about smiles here. You know, Ray gets that little smile. Cheer it gets that smile after he does it, but then he immediately gets like blown through the air. Um, right. And I'm wondering though if it, it, you know, does that happen because he just loses his concentration and slips out of the bubble, or is it simply he did what he needed to do and that was enough? Um, I mean, to be fair, I don't think he and Bays were going to make it out of this alive, regardless. Right. Um, but you know, it's just interesting that immediately after he does it, he goes out and the same can be said about like, um, uh, oh my gosh, it's not Riz Ahmed. What's the damn character's name? Oh, uh, <laughs> Bodhi. Yeah. So right. Like immediately after Bodhi does what he has to do, he goes out. Um, so, you know, but there's, yeah, it's just this absolutely beautiful moment where Chirrut just gives himself over and, knows that the force will will protect him in order to get this done. Um and and like yeah. you said Jason, you know, he knows he's so attuned to the will of the force that right like because he doesn't go out there right away, right? Like um Melshi who by the way I still really want a Melshi action figure. You know, he indicates <laughs> where it is and then you have, you know, that one soldier who's like I'm going and he immediately gets shot. <laughs> um you know, but Chirrut knows like this is what has to be done. We are pinned down but I'm the one who can do this. Right. So yeah, great right. moment. Absolutely beautiful moment. It's a, it's a fantastic moment. And you know, he, he reaches out to the force in a way that Yoda tells the clones they can do. Yeah. Right. You know, Yoda says, if you quiet your mind, you, you know, you, you can listen to the force and it'll, you know, it'll guide you in a sense. You know, I forget the exact quote, but you know, he tells them to quiet their mind and, you know, the force will be there for them. You know, it, it, it's not something that they can access and manipulate the way Jedi can. Uh, but it's something that a, a person like Shirat who has meditated on the force and devoted themselves to, you know, the, the guardians of the wills, um, would definitely be able to, you know, tap into or, or give themselves over in a way that we saw there. So, Right. But, all right. Uh, uh, I guess that's my number two now. Yes, yes, indeed. All right. Well, number two for me is uh, Yoda lifting the X-Wing out of the swamp in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, this is one of the most magical moments ever in Star Wars. Uh, of all time, maybe. You know, it, it, it's still, if it catches me just right, will elicit a slight gasp out of me as, as it happens. You know, I, I love this, this moment as Luke has tried, uh, unsuccessfully because he doesn't, he doesn't believe it. He doesn't, you know, fully believe it's possible. And, you know, Yoda gives this little dissertation and, you know, force, you know, judging about my size, do you? And all that fun stuff. And Luke just says, you ask the impossible. 
and we get this this low moment where Luke goes off to sulk. You know, essentially, he's going off to sulk because he can't do it, and he's stuck here for the rest of his life, is what he thinks. And Yoda just sort of gives this sad look out to the swamp, closes his eyes, reaches out, and it's the moment after two has started squawking and squeaking at Luke, and we cut back, and the X-Wing is just floating across the swamp, you know, that really catches me. You know, as it's, you know, dripping water and the music kicks in and everything. And there's this diminutive, tiny little creature, you know, using the force to move this giant ship, you know, effortlessly uh, out of the, the water and onto dry land. Um, I, I love this scene. I love this moment. And it is really one of the most magical things ever in Star Wars. So, um, in a very pure sense, um, I think, you know, to the, the idea that you were talking about, um, magical. Uh, so, yeah, there's no doubt this is not going to be high on my list. Mm. Well, I'm going to reserve comment. <laughs> I figure. Uh, um, what's your number two? <laughs> well, actually, real quick, before I get my number two, I was just thinking, though, and I'm pretty sure this won't be your number one, but like that moment when Yoda right uses the force to save when Dooku uses the force to knock over that thing to try to crush Obi-Wan and Anakin at the end of Attack of the Clones, Yoda, you know, drops his you know, puts his blade away right away and he's focusing so hard and you know, he grabs it, stops it, and moves it. And I sometimes when I think about that scene, I'm like, well, Dooku like seems to have such a control of the force, but Yoda like is struggling just to move it. But here's what I was thinking. Um, and it's probably not an original thought in any way, but if you use the force to be destructive, it's quick and easy, right? Like, yeah, of course it was easy yeah. for Dooku to just be like, Oh, boom, I pinched those things together. Now they're going to fall over. Like using the force in a destructive way is easy, but using the force in a more pacifying way, a more peaceful way, it takes a little bit more concentration. It takes a little bit more effort, Right. Also, just the fact that, yeah, and also just, I mean, obviously the simple fact of this is a very heavy object. There's this thing called gravity pushing it down. So Yoda literally has to manipulate the force to, you know, stop something from falling over. Dooku has it easy. He's just pushing something over, right? But when something's falling and you're catching it and having to lift it back up, that's, that's physically more hard, more difficult. But I just like the idea though, of this contrast of, of what you use the force for, right? Um, yeah. And while sometimes the light side abilities don't look as cool in a way, they are more powerful, like running around, knocking things over or shooting force lightning in a way that seems easy. Cause you're just channeling anger and destructive, um, energies. So I don't know. I yeah. just, just quick side note. <laughs> that works for me. Um, but it, it ties into my number two, which is okay. Luke's force projection in the last Jedi. Um, and, uh, I just, uh, it's so perfect. It's so beautiful and it's everything I wanted. I just didn't know I wanted it. Um, and I mean that in like in, in full sincerity, right? Like I'm with most fans. And when I say like, I did kind of want him to go out there, whip out his lightsaber and kick Kylo's ass. Like that's what I wanted. But what I got was way better because, because of a couple things. One, this is Luke Skywalker that we saw in Return of the Jedi. He's a pacifist. Two, 
This is way more powerful. Projecting his himself across the galaxy. That's way more powerful than just like being like, you know, a badass with a lightsaber. Um, right. And like all, you know, there was, there's been a lot of critique ever since attack of the clones came out. They're like, Oh, Yoda should have never used a lightsaber. And, you know, Jason, we've had these conversations in the past and, you know, you've always made the great point of, well, it's, it's cool that he does because then he also has to learn not to, um, right. Like he gets humbled and realizes that there's more power and, and, and something else. And we see what that power can look like, right? Like Luke is doing something way more powerful than any other Jedi. And when that scene cuts to Luke force levitating well above that meditation rock and he's and he he is like this is so beautifully acted by Mark and he's like sweating and the concentration is fierce. It's uh, and that is magical. Like I did not see that coming. Um, Let me I want to grab I want to grab that piece of music really quick um, from the soundtrack. And well, while while you while you yeah. grab that piece of music, I gotta say this is my number one. I had a feeling it might be. <laughs> it's it is so perfect. I mean, the interaction that he has on crate with Kylo is really cool and it's really awesome. But then when you couple that with that reveal of him still being an Octo, meditating himself out, he's been on crate in that form like at twenty minutes. Yeah. You know, and doing things that, you know, some of the things he's been doing, pretty strenuous. You know, uh, yeah, th- this is unheard of amounts of power um, in a way that we've never experienced before. And, and you're right. You know, I, I'm right there with you. I wanted him to do something epic and amazing. I thought it was going to be, you know, whipping out the lightsaber and taking down, you know, you know, kick a button, taking names. I thought that's what I wanted. This is better. <laughs> this is so much better on so many levels. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is my favorite moment from the last Jedi is, is this sequence, this whole sequence with Luke on crate is just fan fantastic from the moment he walks in and surprises his sister who she knows the moment they touch hands, there's that look, uh, that passes between them and she knows what's going on. Um, uh, the, the wink he gives three PO cracks me up. Um, him stepping out facing the down the first order uh and then uh, the epic reveal of him still meditating on octo you know levitating like a foot and a half above that rock with that immense amount of concentration the music is so great too because it, it goes you know it, it has that sort of uh chant i found quality. it Yes, so, do it. I mean, this is going to start with Kylo attacking him, but that's okay because it, it builds and it's really good. Here we go. So, run at him. Unsuccessfully cuts him in half. And here we go. Just builds. See you around, kid. Oh, my God. It is Ugh. one of the most 
epic things ever in Star Wars. Yeah. Like, and, and I, you know, I like that word, but I don't use it every, everywhere. But this is seriously in the most literal sense of the word epic. This is one of the most epic things ever in Star Wars. Yeah. And it, it, it gets me every time. I was getting chills while you were playing the music. And, uh, <laughs> that, I hope everyone was. I was too. <laughs> God, it's the most magical thing in Star Wars to me right now because, you know, of, of how he pulls it off. And the, the he's been disconnected from the Force. He had disconnected himself from the Force for years. And he only recently just reconnected himself. And yet he still has that strength and the determination to do that. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Luke Skywalker we all wanted. Right. Like, let's be honest, folks. This is the Luke Skywalker that we didn't know we needed, but we, we needed. That's the one that, that, oh, oh, yes. Ryan Johnson got that right. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, to quote the great Dark Knight, it may not have been the Luke Skywalker you wanted, but it's the one you deserved. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and well, it's also the one I decided I figured out I wanted too. So exactly <laughs> right. Well, that's what I said. Like it's the one I wanted. I just didn't know. <laughs> I just didn't know it. Exactly. Um. But yeah, no. I. You're right. This. This is so good because of the music, and like you said, Jason. Just what has been building this entire film is Luke's been cut off from the Force. Um. But but to be fair, the first time he reconnects to it, you know, he puts his hands on the on the meditation uh, table, and you know, immediately the uh, the pool quakes and and rumbles, and he immediately contacts Leia. But this is just something so beyond. And again, in the same way, in Force Awakens, how they build up, you know, Chewie's bowcaster to be in this powerful, deadly weapon for the purpose of showing why Kylo's so weak at the end. They immediately tell us early on when Kylo and Ray first connect, like you couldn't do this. The effort would kill you. Right. Right. Um, And, and even Snoke's bridging their minds. That's a lot easier than he's not projecting himself. He's just bridging minds. Like I'm, yes, that takes power, but what Luke's doing is more powerful than anything we've seen in star Wars. Um, Well, and and Snoke looks exhausted half the time. He's, you know, you know, slumped in his chair you know, almost the entire time, the exertion he's doing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I even want to like round this out to, to, to what makes it also so magical is, is the moment when Luke becomes one with the force, right. And he's staring off Yeah, and we get that, the, the, the fullness of his force theme. Um, I want to pull that up too. I think it's in, yeah, it's gotta be in the next track here. Peace and purpose. So let me find this. Um, And the interesting, the interesting thing about this, uh, we, we see twin sons as he, you know, fades away and there is, and it's not, you know, fully, uh, explicit in the film, but I've heard a couple of different takes on that. Um, you know, one is that it's, it's actually finally revealed that, Oh, Octo actually does have two sons. Uh, my mom saw it differently. She said, no, he's seeing the twin sons of Tatooine. Again, you know, right. he's projected, he's projected that he's, he's, he's there, you know, yeah. Men- yeah. And that's why he leaves. So he's, he's gone home. Right. No, here it is. Here's the music for it. Here it is.
yeah, he, he, I, I don't know why people would say that it has a twin son. We know that's not true because, again, they're very deliberate in that first scene before Ray's first lesson that, you know, I'll see you tomorrow morning at sunup. We get the sun in the sky. It's one sun. Like, it's very deliberate. Ryan Johnson's very deliberate in his storytelling. Um, it's very clear that this is not a binary star system. Um, yeah. To me, though, this isn't Luke projecting it. And again, this is my opinion. I could be wrong. Luke's not projecting this because it's just something he wants to see. To me, this is the Force gifting him with that vision before he goes. Okay. And, and it, to me, it, it brings him back to when he looked out at that sunset all those years ago. He knew he wanted to be something more. In this moment, the Force is saying, you fulfilled exactly what your role was. You did it, right? And it's, it's kind of like this gift. It's this beautiful vision that he gets right before becoming one with the Force. Um, so yeah. to me, it's pure gift. That's what that, that moment is, um, which again is inherently magical. And um, again, the, even musically, the way John Williams plays the Force theme in that scene, there's a Oh, there's like a there's just such a completeness to it. It's not as I mean, while it's the exact same notes, there is a sense of still like a longing. Again, the way you play these pieces is is the language that he's using, and the way it's played in in the original film is there's there's still a little bit more of a sense of longing within it. Here is a sense of completion. Um, right, and you know, I think that's exactly it. this 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 whole moment. Him force projecting himself on Kray all the way up to his passing is all showing us that Luke is the most powerful Jedi because he just like Chirrut, he just like you know all the greats before him like Yoda, um, he just threw himself into the Force and knew what he was supposed to do and he does it. He knows yeah. what he's supposed to do and he does it. Um, and his only way of doing it again, like I would have loved to have seen Luke raise his X-wing. And hop in it and blow up some TIE fighters and then land and beat the crap out of Kylo, right? Um, but this is so much more. Again, Ryan's deliberate. He shows us the X-Wing underwater. Like, it's probably pretty clear that thing's been under there for years. It's not flyable. Like, it's just not. Like, f- physically speaking, that's right. Right. Um, it's just the mechanics are probably all shot. So Luke knows he needs to go get back in the fight. His his ride's gone. There's no Uber on Octo. So he does what he knows he can do, even though he knows it's going to take everything out of him. Um, Right. But he knows what he has to do. And it's just, oh, it's perfect. It's beautiful. He fulfills his purpose in such a beautiful way. So, yeah, Yeah. I'm glad that's your number one. Uh, It's it is. Hands down, my number one. I won't say by far, but it is hands down my number one. It wasn't a contest. Sure. For that one. Sure. But. You're number one. Well, you know, uh, so and and to be fair, this this definitely does have a strong nostalgia piece to it. Um, it does not have the epicness of you know this Luke and Last Jedi moment, but yeah, it still my favorite magical moment because it's just when I think of magic in Star Wars, this is always what I think of. And again, the, I've had this movie with me my whole life, as opposed to Last Jedi, which has been around for a month. Um, but yeah, Luke or Yoda raising that X-Wing out of the swamp is to me the most perfect magical moment in Star Wars um, because Luke is struggling so hard to believe. I don't think so much. He's not struggling to believe in the force. He's struggling to believe in himself and his ability to use the force. 
right? Yeah. Like I'm just not strong enough. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not big enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not right. Like all the excuses we make to hold ourselves back in life. Yoda here, just this little green old dude says, well, you can do it, can do it. And, and like you said, Jason, the, the moment that I love the most too, is the shot of the X-wing coming to him over the swamp, right? The music is perfect in that moment. And it's set down and Luke doesn't believe it, right? The first thing he does, he reaches out, he has to touch it. He just doesn't. And I even admits, I don't believe it. But Yoda just shows to him in a very simple way. This is possible. You know, right. Because what is holding Luke up is the fact that he thinks that he's somehow physically incapable. So someone who Luke probably also thinks is also physically incapable shows how easy it can be done physicality has nothing to do with it. Um, it's all about power of belief. And I love that Yoda's the one to showcase that, right? Like, um, yeah, like he's, he's, uh, he's literally addressing Luke's concern. Luke's concern is I can't do this because of this. And Yoda says, no, you can do it because I can. It's just right. belief. So yeah, I don't have too much more to say about that myself, but yeah, that's to me my favorite magical moment in Star Wars. So yeah, no, it is it's great, and it was my number two. So you know, we had the same top two, just split. So right. uh, yeah, we actually had the same top three. So that the, the first two were flipped. That you know that's that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> doing this together for a while, Carl. Absolutely, I don't. I'm no shame in that. No, not at all. Uh, but yeah, there we go. Our our top five magical moments with honorable mention, uh, of course, because that's what we do. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, anything else you want to say about magical moments before we you know start winding this whole thing down? Just you know, again, encourage you if, if if you're listening and you're thinking about moments that we didn't mention, I'd love to hear some of other people's favorite magical moments. Even if we mentioned your favorite ones, even if there's some you're thinking of that we didn't get on the list, um, like one I was thinking about right after I finished putting the list together, I was like, well, I can't technically do a ninth honorable mention, but like <laughs> the moment with Luke and Leia first communicating beneath Cloud City, like that was something great. Uh, you know, so if there's anything that you're thinking about right now that we missed, that's magical to you, because again, that is a subjective term. Please feel free to share it, whether it's in an email or on, a, you know, on our social media posts. Um, always love to he- hear what other people are thinking about when we do these lists. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but Carl, we have a, a matchup for everybody for next episode. Oh, uh, do we ever? What do we got? So, kind of similar to the one we did not too long ago. We've got another sort of Last Jedi themed one. So we've got Last Jedi Ray versus Empire Strikes Back Luke. Who takes that one? Ooh. Who takes the saber? Uh, Ooh. <laughs> there you Very go. true. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I think this would be a fun one. I, I'm curious to see what people uh, what people say and how they they weigh in on that one. But Carl, if they want to weigh in on the matchup or the uh, magical moments or anything else. Where can they do that? You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Wampuslayer. Our email is wampuslayerpodcast at gmail.com. And sign up for our Patreon, um, patreon.com slash podcast. We'll be putting out many weekly episodes. Jason, I don't know if you got yours up yet. I hope you did. Um, but uh, I, I haven't recorded it. I just haven't posted it. Okay, great. So Jason will... But by the time this is out, it'll be up. Excellent. So... 
head over to our Patreon. And uh, like we said, Jason, I'm pretty sure, is going to give you a mini episode on Captain Kennedy <laughs> this week. Uh-huh. 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 Um, and I did uh, my first uh, little, what I'm calling Wampa Reflections, where I talk about a quote from Empire Strikes Back and what it means in the story, what it means for us in real life. So um, head over to Patreon for all access to that, plus some other things as well. All right. Anything else, Carl? That's going to wrap this up for for us, I'm pretty sure, my friend. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 266, Top 5 Magical Moments. For Carl, I'm Jason. We will see you next time here in the Wampus Lair.